Hey, welcome to episode seven of the Articulate Ox podcast. I am your host, Soma79. Thank you so much for joining me today. My guest is Ryan Randall, aka Upgrade. He is the executive producer of my upcoming album, Drinking Songs for Children, which we completed last year. He produced a bunch of beats on the album, and he worked on some songs with me with Cool Keith and Esoteric Mzarface and Aztec, Young Dirty Bastard, Raz Cass, Elza. Uh, Mac Lethal, he's a talented dude, and he really made my album sound a lot better, so I'm totally appreciative of that. He's been working in the uh, digital music business for a long time, and he really knows his stuff. He's great at mixing, making beats. He's super talented, and he can make anything sound better. So my interview here, we talk about Hex by Arc Patrol, which is a song that I wasn't really familiar with. So yeah, we'll take it from there. Thank you so much for joining me. Excellent. All right. Welcome to the Articulate Ox podcast. I'm your host, Soma79. My guest today is Ryan Randall, also known by the name of Upgrade. How are you doing today, Ryan? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So um, I'm really happy to have you on here. Um, you, I'm, I'm going to go right to me here and say you were the guy who really helped mix my album uh, coming out next year. And uh, so I'm super grateful for that. It sounds a thousand times better than I ever would have if I had done it myself. So, um, you know, I would love to know more about uh, the, the person who actually, you know, made my, my music sound so much better. So I'm really happy you agreed to be on here, man. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, glad to do it. Sweet, man. So um, you've been producing for pretty much as long as I've known you, like maybe like 20, 20 something years. You've been making beats. And um, what do you uh, talk a little bit about what you do and uh, what you're into? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I, I got my start through DJing. I, I was into drum and bass and all kinds of different music of those genres. And um, and um, got into producing from there. Uh, a friend of mine that that you know, uh, Judge the Disciple. Um, you know, we were hanging out at the time, and and said, "Hey, you know, I, I need some beats for some some of my projects. You know, what can you do?" And and just got into to producing from there. You know, grabbed my first copy of uh, Fruity Loops and and went to town and made some just I'm sure terrible terrible uh, beats, but ha had a lot of fun from there. Enjoyed a lot. I enjoyed that way more than I enjoyed DJing, and um, you know hip-hop was kind of easier than drum and bass to produce i guess and so that's maybe kind of like what got me into doing that and uh and produced uh drum and bass for for years and years i feel like i made my first drum and bass track i don't know only like a couple of years ago for fun i don't know why it took me so long to uh to do that yeah because i think my earliest memories of you were probably drum and bass shows like at um and fitchburg wall civic center like stuff like that like way back in the day i think i met you through Asylum, people like Mountain that. springfield and all that yeah, yeah 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 and i mean that's i sort of got into that through djing too you know it's just you mentioned fruity loops which is interesting so that to me is something that a lot of producers from our from our era talk about was that a real like i i've never actually played with that i went straight to pro tools and i decided i went from a four track cassette tape to pro tools like the, yep. the earliest mbox so i never used that was that a real game changer for for you did that just change the way you thought about making music or how that stumble upon you? 
You know, I don't think anything specific about Fruity Loops did, right? You know, before I was kind of trying to make music in a different way, right? You know, like putting together um, records and turntablism, that sort of thing. It's just a completely different vibe than working in the box, right? Like having a, having a, a, a you know, DAW in, in the computer or whatever you're using um, and like um, putting together beats, like, you know, sequencing loops and stuff. I mean, it's, you know, for somebody who's maybe not as musically inclined, like I'm really not, um, it's, I, I joke, it's like, it's like making beats in Excel. It's, it's so easy to work in some of those right. things. I think Fruity Loops especially is really easy to get into, but there's other ones too that people use right, right out of the gate, like GarageBand or, you know, there's, there's plenty of them that are easy, but, you know, still to this day, I, I think it's a great program. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, it sounds great. Um, you know, top 40 producers, I, I think use it all the time. Um, I think somebody, even I read an interview, um, about um, some of the, the techniques and things that you and I were, were discussing. Um, and, and even one of them, you know, was just uh, walking through their process on using it. So yeah, actually, got, that's, got a lot of love for it. Yeah. Let's um, let's, so the topic you want to talk about, I had actually never heard this song before though. I listened to it and I freaking loved it. I guess you said, you mentioned it as in euphoria, which is one of those million shows I've been meaning to watch, but um, uh, hex by arc patrol. Um, this it's funny when I listened to this, it, 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 I immediately thought of you like it, it had like, you know, you know, not beats, beats you made before this, this song was like 2016 or something like beats you made prior to that. Like I could tell where the connection was there and why you would dig this. Um, I, the, the sonic range on it. Um, you, you mentioned to me something about the underwater sound to it. Um, talk a little bit about that song. Cause I, I was so, um, you were one of the first people on who picked something that kind of probably came to them later in their, in their career. So I'm interested in, into what, how this, this, um, the sound really, you know, shaped development of your music. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, it's always been about, I hear something that sounds interesting from like a technique, right? How did they get that sound? How did they, how did they get that to do that? Right. Um, and for me, that's kind of like what attracts me to music where, where somebody else might say, Hey, I want to learn more about that producer and how were they inspired and what was their message trying to say? And I mean, I think there's a lot of interest in those things. For me, it's more about, right. Like I heard that thing. How did they do that? How did they accomplish that? And um, one of the things I've always loved playing with is like distortion, bit crushing, how to like degrade sound in, in a fun way. When, when I got into hip hop, a lot of my early influences were like uh, Definitive Jux, yep. you know, LP, Cannibal Ox, all of those things. And they did a lot of that. And, and, and I kind of emulated a lot of that in my music and um, was also like looking for more ways to, to sort of break out and like find my own voice, my own ways to do that. And one of the things I, I like doing was using like what, what you call bit crushers. Um, and we don't have to get too into the detail, but really it's just like something that degrades Grades the sound, reduces the quality of, of digital audio. You can reduce the bit depth or the sample rate, which just makes it sound worse, but in kind of like interesting ways. Um, so is that so? What what are some? Because I mean, I I make beats all the time. I've never used a bit a bit, a bit crusher. I can't even say it right. Um, is that a name brand or is that just is that like you know another thing like reverb or something like that? Yeah, yeah. You'd think of like bit crushing um, or degrading is similar to saying like reverb, right? And there's a lot of uh, different plugins that that do it. Um, you know, stock plugins. I was using stock plugins on uh, Fruity Loops that worked really well for that. 
when I was doing some some research on on some of these newer techniques, I found um, the plugin that you know um, a lot of people talk about and use now is Decimort. Just one of yeah. these random plugins out there that does a good job of of degrading the sound but making it sound good. Right? There's a lot of uh, a lot of magic in like the uh, the the algorithms um, that that these companies use to try to get that effect. Yeah. So I um, and it's just real quick for anybody who doesn't know we're sure. talking about plugins with digital music. It's almost like a guitar pedal, but with like way more settings that you could they assign digitally. So it's something you it's like a filter. Like if you think of what an Instagram filter does to a photograph, um, a plugin is a way that you could filter your sound to get different effects. So yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. So here we go. And, and whenever it was, I mean, I think Euphoria came out, what, 2020, something like that. Um, probably everybody heard this song if they were like exposed to HBO or anything around that time. I, this, this would come on every day while we were just sort of scrolling through for stuff to watch. And I just, I heard the sound and I loved it. And what I think was really interesting about this song is unlike a lot of the other songs that use this technique current day, and we'll talk about that in a sec, um, is um, they use this really interesting effect that sounds kind of underwater. Um, you know, it's hard to really describe unless you hear it, but listen to the right, song they, and you'll know yeah. what I'm talking about right away. What I really liked was uh, a little ways through the song, they actually kind of like pull back the curtain a little bit. They raise this low pass filter they have to kind of expose you to more of the sound. And you can hear a little bit of what's under there. And all of a sudden I was keyed into the fact that they're using this like sample rate crushing or bit crushing to get that effect. It's kind of like a, just a noticeable sound if you, you know it, if you heard it. And uh, and that got me looking into that. Like, what what is that they're doing? I really like that effect. How can I play with it? And, uh, and that kind of got me keyed into the fact that this is really a big thing and particularly from uh, this producer 40 that works with Drake. And um, I, I learned about how they kind of just wanted to come up with their own sort of unique sound, their own way of like creating space in the mix for um, the artist, for the, uh, the rapper. Um, and so instead of just using a low pass filter like you might normally hear, which just cuts out the high end, they started using the sample rate crushing, which uses some other kind of like math, you know, tricks to kind of get rid of the high end and gives it this really interesting feel um, and started learning all about that, experimenting with it uh, in my work. And um, that's kind of like what attracts me to, to, to those things. When I hear somebody doing something and I want to figure out what it is, how they do it and how can I maybe intake that and incorporate things into my music. Yeah, it's fun. Like, so the, with the example you just gave about 40 and Drake, they what, what they sort of did is they they decided that they're going to keep like take all the high end out of the beat and just kind of keep the low end area so that the voice could occupy so that the vocals could occupy, you know, the high end, which is something that it sounds like it makes perfect sense, but no one ever would really do that. And with them doing these songs that were, um, that were fairly simple, they had major impact with them. It, it's, it's, you know, it's something that's was is wrong until it's right, I guess, you know? Yeah. It's really, uh, it's really cool. I love uh, hearing from 40, uh, his perspective on it. And anybody can check this out. If you, if you Google this, the, you know, the Drake underwater sound and 40, you can um, uh, check out interviews where he talks more about that. Um, but I love that idea that they wanted to carve out their own sort of sound, their own like sonic space, right? You're listening to one track after another, and here comes this track that has its own sound of course it doesn't hurt when you've got drake who's going to put this out into the the world right like right. you and i could decide we were going to change change the game with our own sound right. In our basements, and, right? right and like when especially when you see where this it's like he shows this guy's neighborhood in toronto and it's just it's the most unassuming place but um 
the studio when when you saw 40 studio it really it, it had that warm feeling to it I mean, i'm sort of in my studio here you can't really see it but i have all my equipment here my drum machines and stuff and it's a very homey feeling and i i like that idea that he had or essentially it's almost like i have all the equipment i have all he probably has all these dinky drum machines from back in the day and all the good ones and the bad ones just plug them in and go it's like it's sort of like like a kid in a candy shop it, it feels like you know yeah. but very tactile and i don't know it, it it's a it's a it's a great environment to make music it looks like and obviously the studio looks mad fun yeah for real yeah. <laughs> uh one thing i was thinking too so um uh, you you made the beat for um as well as basically mixing my entire album you made the beat for a few of the songs one of the ones you did is a title song drinking song for children which features um myself it features um dylan playfair from the tv show letter kenny um raz Cass, uh la hip-hop legend um elza detroit hip-hop legend and uh young dirty bastard the son of um wu-tang's old dirty bastard so you know you were talking a little bit about switching sounds up and being able to account you know how in in, in those um in in the, the song we're talking about just switching it up for different parts of the song there you have a bunch of very distinct voices you got one white dude from canada you got me from new england you got these dudes from multiple parts of the country i know is there, did you apply any of those same techniques when mis mixing that song or how was it working with that, getting those vocals at different times and how does that all kind of come together? Yeah, that, that's really interesting. You know, I, I, I was thinking about something different at the time that, that this came up, which was I was listening to some sort of classic hip hop, some stuff from like Nas, where it was really, really simple beats and really left a lot of room for the artist to shine, right? And right, if you've got a good MC who can really flow, all you really need is that nice groove, that bass, that that snare that hits just right um, and, and, and kind of keep it simple from there. Um, and so when I started off that track, that's kind of what I was thinking. And I, I like that because like you said, like, I think you can really hear that difference, right? You, you know, every verse has its own kind of unique kind of take and feel to it. And you really get to feel that because I think the, the beat itself isn't taking up too much. I think like a lot of the stuff I make, I can't control myself. I, I love to, I love to really like put my own spin and put a lot of interesting stuff in there. So it's probably even, you know, more, more crowded than it needs to be, but that was the goal. And I, I think you hear that in some of the, some of the verses when you just kind of can really like click with what they're saying, um, you know, what you're saying and, uh, and, and just kind of groove with it. Yeah, I think too. And I hadn't really thought about this till now, but one of the things I, that was, I think the first new beat I had for the album, you gave that to me, uh, it was like pre pandemic. And I just kind of sat around and evolved a little bit from then, but like, I, I love how much space it gave me where I know that it's like, I, you could spit double time on it. You could go, you know, just with the, the straight up beat and like, I could just hear so many different flows on it. So I was so excited when we were able to get those guests on it. Cause I just, it, the, the combination of your style and that, I just, I can't wait for more people to hear that. Um, yeah, for real. It was a ton of fun. Yeah. I think it yeah. came out great. Yeah. So I'm super pumped about that. So, um, so what, so once you started listening, once you did this, I know you seem to take a, like a hiatus away from music as we all kind of, you know, did, you know, do different points in my life. I was super excited. You're coming back to it around the same time as me. Um, did, was some of this music helping bring you back in or, or what was it that kind of got you back going again? Yeah. Um, Man, what was it that got me going? You know, I had some some friends that encouraged me to get into it. You know, you, I had another friend who was also getting back into producing after or a long hiatus. And, you know, it just, 
I've had some some ideas and things that I wanted to get out and just hadn't hadn't made it happen. And um, and so I think it probably didn't hurt that a couple of years ago, I tore up my knee real bad um, in uh, in training and I had to get like knee surgery and was like in my basement, like laying on a couch for months and months. And I was like, you know what, if there's going to be a time, this is the time. Let me get in. Let me get a new flow going with the right tools, start some new music. I had you know, since the last time I had produced, you know, working strictly in hip hop, I wanted to try messing around with some new trap beats and bass music and all sorts of things. And I did that, you know, right, right over here in the, uh, in the trap den, like I said, just like experimenting, messing around, having fun and, you know, not, not really releasing a lot, just like making music for the fun of it. I, I'm really about just enjoying that, making, making beats for friends, working on this project with you. Um, other people I work with, we do like beat production challenges, which are, which are a ton of fun and let you really just kind of like um experiment you know that really i think that too kind of like ignited you know my my love for doing it is taking some of the pressure off of like i got to make a song that's going to go out people are going to judge it and more just okay like me and my friends are going to make some tracks and laugh about them and like what kind of crazy sound or or effect can you come up with or like what kind of awesome jam can you make out of like you know a few weird sounds things like that so um, it's funny a lot of different a lot of different things got me sort of inspired back into it when we were younger, there was so much more pressure about like the, the, the financial end, not pressure, but everybody, that's a lot of, a lot of how a lot of people got validation out of it was like, oh, like, did you get paid for the show? Did, oh, someone, I did a song with someone so well, did you have to pay him? And it was like, if he didn't, then somehow it meant that you had like more clout or something, or like he was doing it for the love or, you know, and it's funny that like, so since then, obviously music is just less, you know, the more and more music there is, the less it's kind of worth. And now it's worth, you know, fractions of a penny on Spotify. But I think what it sort of brought back well, for me as someone making music, I don't really care if I make money off of it. Like, and it's like, I think that's brought so much of the joy back to it. And I think um, I don't miss those days of wondering whether, oh, can I somehow like make this into something? It's like, it's, it's so much freeing now to just do what I want to do. Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there, though, that are trying to be about that hustle. And I have a lot of respect for yeah. that. It's hard. It's especially hard today. Moving target. And there's so many people I work with who are just, you know, they make me feel, you know, like, you know, embarrassed with how hard they work and how much time they put in uh, to achieve those results. You know, for me, the, the music is it's more of a hobby. Right. You know, I have my day gig to kind of keep, you know, me and my family secure. And I get to I get to look at music that way and have fun with it, which is nice. Um, but, you know, so much much love and respect for the people that are out there just trying to make it happen, putting their heart and soul into it, you know, because that comes out in the music for sure. I'm happy with my music. I, I, I love my music. Uh, but like I said, I, I've got mad respect for the people that are really, really trying to make, make it happen and putting their all into it. Yeah. The idea of touring for me is the thing that always stopped me from trying to push it harder. Cause I was like, when I was doing like monarchy with those other guys, I was like, I guess the next step would probably do some shows on the road. And I'm just like, oh, that sounds no, I'm done. <laughs> like I just, that, that's the level of effort that I'm, that I'm not willing to take. <laughs> Yeah. But. Hey, I feel you. I listen. I, I always love just being in the studio. I mean, me all, all the time, if I had to choose between going out and doing the shows or just spending the night in the studio, just like try, trying to like work through ideas and stuff that for me is the stuff that appeals to me. So, me too. hey, it is what it is. Yeah. And that was some of the best times to remember. Um, 
when we first started hanging out going into was it soundtrack studio in oh Boston? yeah for sure yeah yeah and that was that was a great experience i mean so you were we were working there at the time and that's what we recorded we mentioned before judge the disciple who's um uh i guess a quincy based mc who we've both known for a long time it was really phenomenal it's just this dude's got a style of really all his own and just um you know, you worked with them a bunch. I worked with them a bunch back in the day. Um, and we used to go in there and I'd watch you guys record things. Like, what was it like having, having those tools at your hands at an early age that really changed, you know, the way you saw music or. Yeah. I mean, for real, I, it, we were blessed, right. You know, I had this, I had this day gig with the studio that was great, but you know, they shut down at five and said, Hey, you can use the studios every night or weekends. Of course, right? You know, yeah. a bunch of kids in their 20s and we get free studio time. I mean, we would have paid, you know, what, hundreds of thousands of dollars for as much time as we got yes. in there every every weekend messing around, making making beats, trying to make it work. Um, it was it was a ton of fun and it was great. You're spoiled in a way, right? You know, when I um, when I ended up moving on from that job, didn't have access to that stuff anymore. That was that was tough, right? You know, yeah. what do you do when you have this idea? Do you want to put it together? And you know, either you got to go make it happen with a, a for real studio, come up with the money, or you got to make it happen with your egg crates in the closet. You know, um, that definitely has an impact. But you know, I've I've loved to learn the sort of like the basement production. You know, granted, if you're going to do something and try to make some money off it, go go get a good room. You know, go get a go get a clean sound um but you know uh you know there, there's nothing wrong with making it work you know you hear about right i heard about stories about um what's your name uh billy eilish and uh and her brother you know how they were putting together tracks in their you know bedroom you know yeah. using just you know all the entry-level notebook stuff and you know look what they can do with it yeah, yeah, it's funny you actually mentioned that I have this record right here by this artist Yaya Bay that I absolutely love. Yeah. And um I every time I listen to her, I can't tell whether it was um the best sounding closet recording ever or the most amazing recreation of a closet recording in a real studio. <laughs> and like I, I haven't bothered to look it up, but like it's got that distinct sound where you're just like, I it's one or the other, but it, whatever it is, it works. You know, yeah. and that's sort of the, the beautiful thing to music. I still have some of the same equipment I was using back in the days before, and it still comes in handy. Um, the the like these drum machines kind of last forever and the sounds kind of disappear if they don't if they don't if people don't keep using them. And it's it's I have one of them over here that has a, a digital theremin in it. I think that's what you called it. And it's just like I'm like. This nobody may be playing with this sound. I mean, this sound like it's play, maybe gets played with like twice a year, probably across the world. Like it's 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 just like the the, the options are limitless, you know. Yeah. You can make it with anything. I mean, and limit limitations, right? I've heard that said a bunch of times that like limitations a lot of times are what make the music special, right? What can what can you come up with when you know your back's against the wall? You don't have the the tools you want or the space you need. Um, I think it's it can be a challenge, right? And uh, you rise to that challenge. You know, you come up with some really interesting stuff. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned like having beat challenges with other people because I so how do those how do things like that usually work? I've never really been involved in that sort of thing before. Yeah, so that's a that's a ton of fun. So at, at my company, I work for this company, Soundwide, and so a bunch of brands you might know of: Isotope, Native Instruments, uh, Plugin Alliance, Brainworks, and um, amazing plugins. Yeah. It's um it's some really awesome stuff, and I'm you know, blessed to get to work with some really like amazing minds, great producers, um, and um, we uh, we'll get together and just do challenges. So somebody will say, hey, you know, here's these um, sound effects we recorded, you know, out on this um, you know session. 
see what you can do with it. Everybody make a song out of these, or, you know, it might be, Hey, you know, remix this track and pick whatever genre you want, you know, something out of your comfort zone. And, uh, you know, people do it when they have time here or there. Some people, you know, whip together a little something. Some people go crazy and overboard. And then, uh, you just kind of listen to them together and have a, have a good time. You know, there's kind of no, no pressure because nobody's releasing the tracks. Uh, sometimes they get released, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a, a ton of fun. What so an environment so is it it really is a lot of people who love the music that are doing um that are really working at these places, which is so nice to hear. You know, it's like I've definitely worked at places where you think that people would be excited to be there, you know, because it's it's someone else's dream, but it's not. So that that's cool. That I mean, do you find that that in the industry that you get varying is it varying degrees of influences? Do you, is it do you, when you go to work? Do you feel like you're you're finding people from multiple represent multiple genres that sort of you learn from there? What's that like? Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent, right? You know, every time we do one of these challenges, everybody brings this completely different take to it, um, and it's inspiring, right? Inspires me to get out of my comfort zone, right? You know, yeah. Why, why can't I just make a, a drum and bass track? Why can't I just look at this other genre and say, okay, how do they do that? You know, I want to, I want to just like bang out some bossa nova because it's fun and you know it's creative and it gets me thinking about things a little bit of a different way. So, yeah, it's the best I could say is it's it's inspiring to work work with other people and and get to like get exposed to their sort of creative process and their, you know, approaches to things, especially if you're both trying to, you know, you're both faced with the same challenge, how do two different people kind of come about that? Yeah, it's really awesome. So, uh, so when you start, I remember um, uh, you used to, I think you were one of the first people that really introduced me to Adult Swim. I felt like I was in your basement and you had like 20, 20, 20, whatever that C-Lab show was on. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, what is all this nonsense? And I just realized the new Aqua Teen movie's out. I, have, I definitely have to track that down like ASAP, like today or tomorrow. <laughs> but um, so have you ever, are you into sample digging um, at all? Like, you know, whether it be audio, like, like, are you, do you get excited about that? That's one of my favorite things. Yeah, for sure. I am. Um, I, that was one of the things that I really loved about um, producing, especially early on was, you know, just trying to find just really interesting, weird samples and put them together and create this kind of like pastiche style. Um, and um, I always found for me, what attracted me was not, you know, there was a lot of people who would go sample, um, you know, searching for samples, digging through records, you know, go to the record store, see what they got in the basement, or, you know, using your knowledge of, you know, sort of like different styles of music and, you know, artists, those just were never my strengths. Um, I really w w found myself more interested in, you know, um, you know, TV and movies. And so I would stay up late, like watching weird old TV shows and things and just like grabbing samples off of like my like VHS day, uh, deck. Or if I did go to the record store, I'd be digging through like the movie soundtracks, grabbing weird old sci-fi or like Bond soundtracks, things like that, and, and grabbing those sounds. And, you know, even for, for all of the ones that never made it into any music that I used, it was always really fun to just kind of like listen through from that perspective, like what things could I find and maybe find interesting new uses for. Yeah, it is really amazing when you when you I, I just went through the exercise of reorganizing my record collection into genre. It was like all alphabetized before and you find all these things and you're like, well, somebody sat down and worked on this for months and put it out. And in the sounds are just there for the taking. Like, you know, you can really do things with three and four words that twist it way beyond what it was, whatever, you know, initially meant to be. And, you know, so for you, was it was it always about the more obscure things like if, if, would you sometimes Sometimes not use something because you thought too many people might know what it is yeah you know 
going for something obscure, yes, right? I mean, not just because people will know what it is. I mean, I think that's kind of the fun of the challenge, right? I, I never really was interested in taking a sample that I knew everyone else had used, right? And just using that same sample, um, especially if, you know, right, if you heard somebody that just just nailed it, right? Yeah. You know, are you going to use that again, right? When you heard the Fugees use like Roberta Flack, right? right Am I yeah. then going to take that sample and make a song out of it? Like, probably not. I'll just go throw on that record, right? Right, yeah. Um, um, and so, yeah, looking for that stuff. And I mean, I think there's definitely another part of it too, which is, um, you know, people's intellectual property. And so my, my perspective on it had usually been, right, I'm not generally working on projects like to get out there and to make money off of it. And so it doesn't really bother me too much if I'm using some samples from other work and, you know, again, right. finding new ways to use them. Um, but I get where, where it gets a little bit trickier when you're talking about, you know, putting something out there that you want to generate, you know, you know, thousands of hits on and right in this project we worked on together, right? We took that really seriously, right? right and made sure that everything we were using was, you know, was, you know, come about the right way. Because um, I but, realized after I put on my first album that if you'd taken off all the samples it would have been just me talking for like an hour. And like, <laughs> and I really, in the long run, it was me betting against myself because I'm like, I was me going, well, it's never going to get big enough and everybody's going to care. But it's like, then, then I never really had the option to try to make it big enough or make anybody to care. So, yeah. I was like, yeah, I really don't want to do that again. So, so yeah, I mean, and it's, that is the, that is the thing that kind of sucks about sampling is that there are, we, now it's so much easier to do and there's so many more things you can do it with, but you have to be so much more careful, but you can just sort of make your own samples to a certain degree. I mean, do you, I mean, I, I've taken a little, some piano lessons in my life, never really, I've never even gotten good enough to be able to play, you know, strong with two hands at the same time. Um, and that's probably the most, you know, musical lessons I've had, except for my brother teaching me a Ramon song on the bass when I was like 12. What about you? Do you have any formal training or how did you sort of like, how did, how long did it take you to get somewhere where you had a happy we were happy with your result yeah well sort of the same as you you know my um aunt taught me she's a really accomplished uh, pianist taught me how to play piano when i was young played that up and through you know high school I had to play saxophone you know in a high school band um but never never really took to it uh, you know i don't think i was, had a particular sort of gift for for either and so didn't keep with them so when i when i came into approach music you know i i think of myself as almost sort of like musically illiterate right you know i don't have a solid foundation in music composition or you know um uh performance and so for me it was really you know it was just a matter of like putting sounds together like learning about right learning about composition taking it upon myself to say okay how how are these songs to put together how do artists approach their music and put these things together but it's it's 100% a limitation and it's something I see and I hear right in my music compared with others right you can you can hear that approach to it you know are you thinking about the rhythm and how that interplays you know with the the melody and how you're layering and um you know there's a lot of um there's a lot of nuance there. And, and, and again, I can hear that and you can hear that from certain people when they have that sort of strength or that skill set. Uh, yeah, it's funny, too, because um, you mentioned Def Jux earlier. And, you know, I think that was really when, when you, myself and Judge the Disciple, you know, kind of hooked up a lot back in the day to work on music. Like, it seemed like that was sort of the area where music tastes really intersected. And um, it, it also, it, I'd never heard anything like that before, before I heard like Aesop Rock and um, LP. And I, it opened up my eyes of what a hip hop beat could really be. 
Um, and I think esoteric once referred to as the sound of my cat walking off across the keyboard when he was like dissing LP. And I think that's sort of as somebody who has a cat who's walked across my keyboard, you know, there, there have been good accidents and bad accidents. So, you know, I'm not adding judgment to that, to that statement. But um, did you have any similar feelings when you heard, like, for me, that's when a lot of this music, it was them in, in atmosphere that sort of, you know, coming around the same time as like, for me, as like the 50 cents and M&Ms of the world, they made this music seem a lot more accessible and a lot more local. And then and by that association, a lot more doable. Um, yeah. How do you feel about, about, you know, that era? Yeah. I mean, th that was kind of my entry into hip hop. You know, I, um, I hadn't been listening to a lot of it, not a lot of mainstream hip hop. You know, I've been listening to stuff that people I knew were listening to a lot of like, you know, hardcore and honestly just terrible music. Um, and, you know, not really exposing myself to a lot of different types of genres, not just hip hop, but, you know, beyond that. Um, and so, you know, when I ended up getting into um, producing and starting to listening to some of these albums that, you know, um, you know, you, you know, our friend Danny, some other people were listening to, it was really interesting to me. It was just, a, yeah, it was a completely different sort of like on ramp into hip hop with this different perspective that I don't know, something about it spoke to me. And maybe again, maybe it's because I love the sort of like the technical aspect of beat making and there's so much stuff to just soak up. You know, how are they doing this? How are they getting that crazy sound, you know? Um, and um, it uh, it definitely it definitely inspired my music and my sound, you know, which I've he heard a lot from other folks. I think like particularly LP and uh, in, in his style of production, for sure. Yeah, he's still going st like stronger than ever today. I mean, it's um, I was very when, when Def Chucks went out of business and I, I want to say that's maybe around like 2010 or four. I don't know, around that area. I was like, I, I didn't think I mean, I obviously don't understand the business of their operation, but I thought they'd be the one that lasted. It really ended up being rhyme sayers because so many of those labels from back in the day just you know they just didn't last the test of time and you know these artists sort of disappear but you know lp still around um esoteric still around atmosphere still around I, I remember i saw atmosphere once on a show at lupo's and it was it was almost like a bob dylan moment at the newport folk festival because he showed up with a band and like part of the crowd booed him and I was, I was like, I've never, I've never been to a show like that before where people were like, people have been that like hostile being the people like flipping them off. And I think he was offering like refunds and stuff. I don't know. But, um, though that does remember actually, you know, I just remind you of one of the funniest things that I, there was some show, I think it was an ID and ability show that was at the Roxy in Boston. And, um, which I think is now something else. I forget what it is now. Um, I believe it's the venue well known for where Aaron Hernandez was before he shot at people the first time. I think that's where he was, but I don't know. So, and I think IDN abilities were opening and it might've been atmosphere and you're like, Oh, my buddies are doing sound. We can just walk in, you know, we just walk in the back and, and like, you know, we'll meet up with them in there. And so we just, you know, walk in, walk right by everybody. Doors are open, took a bunch of turns. No one looks at it. it's weird. And we walk right in the main room and you look around and you're like, I don't know anybody here. <laughs> and it was like, wow, it's that easy to sneak in these shows if you just don't know that you're sneaking in. Yeah, so, that's I don't funny. Know. I do I do seem to remember that now. So I was working at the time, I was doing sound for a lot of places around town like that. And uh yeah, you kind of learn that if you just kind of like put a serious face on, like you know where you're supposed to be. And if someone asks you, you're gonna be pissed at them, you can kind of kind of get a lot of places. I don't know if that's still true today, but was yeah. uh, definitely true then and got us into that show for sure. Any um any fun stories about doing sound? I know um people people take sound checks and stuff like that at all different levels of seriousness. Um, I don't know any good stories from back in the day doing that stuff. 
Yeah, you know, um, nothing comes to mind other than I'll tell you what, right, you know, you definitely working sound, you definitely get exposed to a lot of artists and see like what kind of artists are like genuinely good people and what what kind of art. And there's one that always stuck out with me, which was, um, if you remember this guy, Jim Brewer, who yeah. was a big uh, SNL guy uh, back in the day and did a lot of these touring shows where he would do comedy, but he was also a musician, he played guitar. And so his show was sort of him sort of like jamming on guitar, doing some songs and and, and stand up and, and whatnot. And most acts that we work with, you know, you go in, you do sound check, especially if it's a big act, you know, they're in, they do the thing, they're gone, whatever, you never see them. This dude, just for whatever reason, stayed to hang out with us between the sound check and the show. And he had some new gear that we were interested in and was just like, Hey, let me show you this. Let's jam out, you know, talking about gear, doing this and that for the whole time. And didn't have to, didn't have to, to spend that time with us. And, uh, and so that was kind of like a, a wild experience. Um, I've been around plenty of other celebrities that, you know, never really like think twice about you and nothing against them for that. But I thought that, that was kind of interesting. There definitely are some, some people out there that are just, you know, super yeah. down there. Yeah, it is weird when you meet different people. Like, um, uh, I've gotten to know some of the people who work with my album on like a more like you know personal level, and you just realize, oh, they're just like every other person. Like, some of them are just socially bizarre, and some of them are just more than happy to talk and, and like you know give more of themselves than they even should. It's it's just like, I don't know. It it is a great experience. I I think the funniest celebrity story I've I've heard. And this is totally off topic, but. Um, I knew someone who was living in LA years ago and they had a friend who was, who was doing house moving and they ended up moving Chevy Chase's house. And um, I don't feel bad saying anything about that, this guy, cause it's nothing about anything he's ever, he's said worse. And I guess what he said to them is um, if you find any money, you can keep it. If you find any pills, give them to me. And then he, there was no tip, but he gave them um, autographed pictures and tips. So <laughs> If you see Chevy set your expectations um, appropriately. Hey, so I'll say this for me anyway. I, I don't need to like somebody in order to enjoy their art. You know, that actually come, like, they came up on a different episode. I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit because I, I mean, go back I, and forth on it. If I need to, I'm in trouble, right? Um, you know, um, but because there's I, a I've lot of people that too that, we just, that are assholes that we just sort of accept. It's like you know that Elvis movie. I think will yeah. be glossed over a bit of stuff. You know, but. Um, that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that that's how I want to be right you know if anyone ever cared enough about my music to want to sort of take an interest in me right I, I I don't think that's how I would approach it um and it's really special when you meet people out there that are also like that right uh, other big artists um and um you know that that are just genuine and willing to talk to you interested in in, in you um um is uh it's pretty special um right. but hey you know what art is art and, and and it's a lot about like what's the outcome what do you actually get on paper so yeah it's funny too the, about the topic about whether you can enjoy art from somebody who maybe you don't enjoy so much is that i feel like it's very hard to pin down what it is you like about a piece of art in the first place so it's like i think i mean there's been there are things that i like that i'd never that i'd be totally surprised that seem to go totally against my taste that i'm really into so to try to like not only do that but to pass a layer of judgment over it of saying like well if you don't if not only do you have to know why you like this but if it's for the wrong reason then it's wrong like, it's, it's hard to do like i have like gut reactions where like if i see there's certain acts that like i think i think i finally i'm i can't listen to kanye anymore like finally now when i hear the music i'm just like yeah the music hits differently now and it, and it didn't for a while but 
Yeah. Yeah. I find it, uh, I find it hard to believe I'm ever going to not want to just jam to through the wire. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like I'm always going to have something there, but I know what you mean, right? There's a point at which there's a point at which if you're exposed to it, right. What's going on with the artist, right. It's going to kill it for you. Right. You know I mean, this saying, uh, saying that you don't need to like an artist to enjoy their music definitely has limits for sure. Right, right, right. And it's like, I mean, I if I'm ever watching wrestling and Chris Benoit pops up, I that to me it turns my stomach. It's just like there's certain things where like um and it was with hip hop too. I, I often compare hip hop to horror movies where it's like I'm not big into horror movies because like those images to me are just more than I want to handle. And like, but I also respect people can get over that. That like for some people they don't have that. But for me, there's almost like a cost of entry that's not worth it. And for hip hop, that's true for a lot of people too, where it's like, well, you're gonna hear some stuff that might be abrasive to your ear but like you know that's just kind of the cost of entry you yeah. know so i try not to i know hopefully i'm not judged by my tastes and um you know but what is exciting you now like so i you you're always one of those people that like to turn to for music recommendations and you, you tend to hear of things that i've never heard of like what what are you currently excited about yeah you know i don't know i honestly i always get the feeling like i'm years behind everybody else every time i hear a new track that really gets me pumped up i go and i look on you know on spotify and realize it's like 2016 yeah. that it came out or something it's like it's like 400 million shazams i'm like i guess someone beat me to it <laughs> yeah so you know I, i'd be tough to say anything that's jumping out at me now um you know i've been just listening to a lot of weird stuff it's hard for me to even know what genre the music is i listen to on, on a daily basis which is beautiful right? isn't this, this track we were talking about earlier, Hex, I like I had to look it up and, and it was referred to as indie dance music, which I don't think I've ever even heard of. I certainly wouldn't have picked that out of a hat if I had to guess what genre it was. So um, well, actually, speaking of deconstructing, which I went for with that song, Hex, do you so when you hear that, is that do you know how it's made? I mean, was that made from samples? Was that made from from someone they brought in? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, if I remember the sound, it's like a, it's a, it's a singer, it's a female vocalist or a male vocalist sped up. I, I'd have to hear it again closely. Um, just kind of like um, saying these words over and over again. They've got that sort of like sample rate crushing going on it, and they've got that low pass filter over everything, so it's kind of underwater, and then it comes up to the surface, and then it's just yeah, it's just kind of like this, you know, kind of like looped, chopped up vocal, um, and. I don't think there's anything. Yeah, I don't think there's really any magic to it. Um, I would assume that that they had someone record it, you know. Yeah. But again, you know, at that point, it's really okay. You're just treating it like it's a sample. So was it was it something that you just brought in and, and recorded, right. you or was it your own sample? Captured yeah. Cheaper early. to make your own sample than to pay publishing and having to continuously keep those things going. For sure, yeah. Just like we said, right in the project we worked on, there was plenty of times where we did that just to to get get the sound we needed. Yeah. 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 So, so what else are you excited about now? Like music? Um, yeah, you know, um, I mean, for me, I've been working on some, some trying to find a, a sound, right. You know, I've been working on for years and years, the hip hop. Um, I came back and did some more of that in our album, otherwise had been producing a lot of like trap music or experimental and trying to find, like trying to find that like middle ground that feels right. Um, so that I could put together a few tracks to just kind of, again, like, I feel like once I find that sound, I'm going to know what it is and I'm going to want to be able to put that out and, and share it. And so that's kind of what's kind of getting me pumped and energetic. It, it's going to be a long process. I, yeah. I, I work slower than, than others. You know what I mean? But I'm okay with that. Right. Cause I, I enjoy it. And um, you know, when I, uh, when I find the sound, you're going to know about it. 
So, so this is interesting. I like to talk to producers about this. When you, are you one of those producers who's got ten beats going and five of them get halfway there, and then two or three of them get done? Or are you one that sits down with one and that and you work on that until you're done, and then you start over? Like, like what? What do you have a big reject pile? Like, how do you work? It actually, it actually changed a bit because it used to be the one where I would get an idea and I would go into that idea. But, you know, we're talking about when I was in college, I could then go home and put 14 hours into a beat. Like, I can't do that now, you know? And so part of it is like necessity. I can't spend that much amount of time to like really start to finish, like flesh out an idea. Um, so what I found is, is working on a bunch of different songs, not even just different songs, but like even different genre songs and, and bouncing back and forth kind of helps keep, keep a perspective. So I'd say, yeah, right now I probably have like, you know, two dozen sort of like projects in one state or another and plenty of them will go nowhere. And then, you know, hopefully some of them will, you know, turn into something I, I really like. Yeah. Do you use, um, you know, in terms of convenience, um, I found there's definitely some even iPhone apps that I love. I love BeatWave. Um, I've made some beats. I found some beats, old beats of mine, and been like, "Where? How did? Where did I make this?" And I tracked it back to a really dinky program. I'm like, oh, it's it's to the test of time. Do you get into any of those either? Like, do you feel? Um, I know you you probably get access to some of the best of the best with with where you work. Um, do you do you? Do you, do you appreciate the worst of the worst with the best of the best or how do you like to work? Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, I love anything that results in a good sound. And sometimes I've, you know, uh, messed around with different programs, even super simple ones, because they just force you to just, okay, all I can do is have a groove. Right. And then I really got to just come up with a groove that works. So I like that stuff for, for me personally, I kind of, anytime I want to work on music, I got to be in a box. I got to be in my, my PC with, with the, the tools I have, um, like speed up my workflow. Right. I, I, I know how to, I can get a session going super fast with the drums I need, drop in the right <clears throat> kind of bass to go with whatever I'm working on. If I'm trying to like find something to do with samples. Um, and, and honestly, like the distraction is hard. Some people, you know, can sit there on the train working on a track on the way into work or whatever they're doing. I, I can't, I can't. Um, and so for me, I like to kind of like really like get in my zone and, uh, and be comfortable and work that way. So for that reason, it just hasn't pushed me to look for tools like mobile apps or anything to work on music. Yeah. Are you a, um, you a drums first guy? Man, I was just actually hearing someone talk about this in an interview and I think the answer is no. I usually, the ideas I get usually have to do with the, I either uh, there's a sample or there's a technique or an idea that I want to go for. And I'll start to get that idea together. That for me, the drums are really just kind of like the, it's the foundation for that, right? I want to put that on top of something that sounds more or less right so I can figure out the song. What's the song going to be? Um, and then at some point or another, I'll really like take a look at the drums and say, I want to, I want to focus on making those um, really shine. Um, but yeah, I, I think maybe I have, but very rarely just purely started with, I'm going to put together a drum beat first and then put some other stuff on top of it. Yeah, actually, now that I think about that, so there we mentioned before about the samples, there were some tracks that I, some of the, the songs are songs that we technically co-produced. There'd be, there were beats that maybe I made back in 2005 and then just knew I couldn't get the samples on. And I was like, I, I can't replace these. Can you? And I was super impressed with just like, you know, we were taking, these are beats that I made based off sample drum loops. Once you remove those drum loops, you put something in there tailored to my vocal. That was so much better than what I had before. And that, that was something that I I've tried to do before and it always comes out terrible. 
So it's definitely, um, I, I can hear that. It, it makes you so much more of a versatile producer because I mean, you're, you, you're able to work backwards from an acapella in a way that, that um, I definitely find very difficult. Yeah. You know what? It kind of clicked with this album, right? I can't say that I've done it enough to say that I've got a knack for it or right. Like I've got the magic, but um, it, it did work. Right. And and definitely there was some trial and error, right. In, in finding out, okay, here's, here's this verse. What's the, what's the, the beat or the rhythm under it. That's going to sound right with it and, and tried a couple of things. Um, and, you know, with the song, um, uh, uh, Doomsday for I, Nance, yeah, I knew you were going to bring that up too. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say for something about that, I had had this already, this idea in my mind for this other song going. And when I put those together, the second I heard it, I was like, no, that's it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's gotta be that and, and working it out from there. So yeah, it's, right. like I said, just kind of clicked. And that take- track is, um, is myself, Esoteric from Zarface, Aztec from Hybrid Thoughts and Cool Keith from just being Cool Keith. And I remember in particular <laughs> when, when Cool Keith, the Cool Keith beat came through, um, I was the bay. I'm like, I'm like, I couldn't figure out whether it was lined up right. And it's cool key. So you're just like, wait a minute. If I'm doubting it, it's probably right. And I remember I kept asking you, smidge it a little bit this way. And I think we eventually ended up exactly where it was. I'm like, all right, well, I don't know why I ever for a second doubted what cool Keith was doing. <laughs> no, but um uh I don't know. Yeah. That was wild. Uh, that was, hey, really special. You know, I'm a huge fan or whatever. So get to get to work on a project and, and put together a beat and and, uh, and put our sort of styles together was fun. But yeah, definitely. I remember there being a little bit of work to just kind of like, you know, figure out how to make the two things work together. Because I think that was really one of the last things we got for that song, right? The other stuff yeah. we already had. Um, so yeah, yeah little, it was funny too. I'd keep hitting you up. I'm like, it might be so-and-so on the song. I, I sent an email and we'll see what they say. And I'm like, they want too much. But then um, it was in this case, it was esoteric that was like, hit up cool Keith. Um, he's like, here's the information. I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm um, super excited for people to hear that. And and Aztec, if anybody's in the Boston hip hop scene and doesn't know who Aztec is, and I question whether they're really in the Boston hip hop scene, because that guy, I'd say, represents Boston hip hop better than anybody. And it's I'm super excited he's on that. So yeah, he's a shit. It was great to get to work with him again. I think the last time we worked together on a track was yeah. Oh, what was the name of that song? Years ago. What was that? It was it was him mm-hmm. and Judge. Um God, I can hear it, but I can't think of what it was called. Yeah. If you think of it later, let me know. I'll go, I'll go take a listen. I, I, I definitely found when I was um I was not only reorganizing my records, but my my CDs, they were all my I had my CD cases and boxes, I had the, the booklets and other boxes, and I had the 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 CDs themselves in books, and I had like 1,500 of them. So I decided to put them all together and like combine them. And I was finding shit that I didn't even, I could never even forget. I found a bunch of stuff that were beats from you. I don't know whether they're amongst the stuff that um, I sent you before, but I might have some old stuff that you don't have yet, that viewers that you may have lost over time. Yeah, uh, almost certainly lost because I'm really bad bad at that and have lost so much of the, the stuff that I had. So yeah, whatever you got, send it over. So have uh, you got, it's funny you mentioned, have you gotten better at that over time? Because it's funny. So, you, so sometimes people like they get one loss and like never again. And sometimes it's like you think that but you end up in the same bad habits. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's it for me. I mean, I, I like to think in some ways I'm a super organized guy. I can figure those sorts of things out. But something about the workflow of like keeping old sessions and everything just it just I don't know. I, I don't have the gene or something. So, yeah. So I, I'm glad I, you know, I, I do a good job of keeping all the sort of like master files. So usually anything that I've made, you know, I at least can, can listen to. Um, but lost a lot of lost a lot of projects along the way. Yeah, I, I I still have my old the first computer I ever had that um 
uh, at Pro Tools on. I only save it because it has this the, the, the trilogy base program. It's the only it's this great base sim. I think you recommended I get it like 15 years yep. ago. It's still amazing. And it's the only thing it runs on is that computer. So the only reason I keep it around is just to keep using that. But like what I I would do all these stupid things with Pro Tools. Like every time you recorded something, I'd save it as a WAV file that was just named like 0.001 or 0.002, whatever. And I just they'd get disorganized and disconnected. And it was like trying to put a puzzle together in the dark with a blindfold. And you're just like, well, I guess that's song's lost you know because on this on my album we were trying to revive beats i made in like 2005 and i'm like it's it's like i basically just hand you like like c3po in parts but i'm like we're, we're missing the head <laughs> like what can you do for me and so that's where i'll yeah. say like dude i don't know if you're taking on work or anything but um uh i just want to give you some flowers like this this project i sort of the drinking songs for children my album i i dreamed it up when i when the quarantine came up and i just um i i figured artists are going to want to be working on things i need to work on something new this is finally my time and it wouldn't have come together without the work that you put on it like um if anyone's looking for mixing and um on their stuff like if you if you're taking on clients you you know i get my highest recommendation yeah. Hey, thanks for sure for that. Uh, it was a super fun project to work on. I kind of like that thing of like taking all these old projects out of the, you know, out of the, the crates, out of the basement and like seeing what you can do to bring them back to life uh, was a ton of fun. I enjoyed it. Um, and um, yeah, I think that the results are, are pretty good. So looking forward to people hearing it. And yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm definitely open to that. So folks are looking for someone to kind of take a, a project they have and like, you know, shine it up and uh and uh and get it pumping um yeah i love that stuff it's interesting too because so different artists have different relationships with their past work and i think even we found on this album that some of the people that um we had old verses for decided that it, they didn't want to you know do it or whatever you know and like i definitely found with with that there's a stark difference between people who think all of their old stuff is garbage and there's other people who still can kind of find kind of, kind of find something in it i like the idea of sampling myself which essentially is what it is i know that if i made it that you know it's it's still in play like it, you know there's no copyright there how do you feel about your younger work is it is it more embarrassing or is it more of something that you see as like building blocks you can still pick up yeah, you know, I, I actually really like to listen to it. I like to listen to it, especially if it's been long enough that I don't really, you know, remember it. Um, and it's nostalgic, you know, I, I, I like to hear it hear what okay how was I approaching this at the time remembering what was going on when we made this stuff so for me I really like it what I want you know someone else to listen to it or if I was especially if I was in the room I don't know maybe not you're right you know I'd be a little bit self-conscious about it but you know I'm proud of the work that I did and and um you know, I had some friends that encouraged me in this way too, which is to say that like, it's, it's tempting to want to perfect everything you work on. And, you know, you've been on this track for months and you want to just, no, I can still make it better, still make it better. And the reality is that that never is stops being true. You could have that song and work on it until the day you die and still make it better. It's, release it and take all of that energy and all those ideas you have and put them into the next one. Right? right. And then release that one and then take all the leftover ideas and energy and put them into that. So in that sense, you know, when I listen to the old tracks, I'm like, Hey, you know, I didn't even put any bass in this song, but I like it. It, it, it I, I dig it. It flows. Right. Would I do that now if I was going to release it again? Maybe, but I, I, I like the way it was right. It, it is what it was. Yeah, yeah, and it is, it's funny that like now it has that old stuff had a sound that was just the sound that it was now, but now stuff um, 
it sounds like it was it was early nine early two thousand stuff. So it has it's its own sound now. It was just the way. It, I don't know if that makes any sense, but like, but like, even if you hear they were always remixing old Biggie and stuff like that, we're finally at the point now where it doesn't match up to modern recording. Like you you can tell the the, the quality of the microphones back then just don't match up with modern ears you know so it almost takes on this new sound even though it's always sounding like that i don't know i i just think sound in general is a, is a totally fascinating thing when you think about how it works and just yeah Are you, do you mix with headphones you mix with speakers or uh yeah i try to mix it up I, I, you know no pun intended like i try yeah. <laughs> i try to um i generally mix on just some like small monitors um and then um you know really it's about it's about like reference like when you're trying to really dial in a mix or a master listen to it on your headphones listen to it in your car go on different systems so you can hear different things or i got a lot of uh, friends who swear by the bass pack have you ever used one of these things no what's that so uh it's like this literally it's like this backpack that you put on on that's what? like a subwoofer right um and or they have some that you can like mount in your chair or whatever um and you sit there and it just reproduces the low frequencies so you don't need like a super expensive um like uh, monitors or subwoofer rig because subwoofers don't always give you the right kind of like um like balance um and so, yeah, like some of my friends that, that work on bass music, for example, like they swear by, you know, you can, you know, hear or feel kind of like every frequency all the way down to that sub bass without having to pay a ton of money on speakers. Oh. Um, not for me. I don't know. I'll try one. I haven't tried it yet, but, but I do like to try to like uh, vary it up. Um, but if it's just like getting ideas out and just jamming, I mean, yeah, I'll do it on my laptop speakers, on my little in-ear headphones or whatever, you know, when it's just about the ideas, you know, that's, I don't yeah. think that's so important. I always make the mistake of using headphones and then it's, and then you really, then you, it's just your ears get tired way too fast. Then you can't trust your own ears. I've, I've over years picked stuff up and I'm like, I know this sounded different last time I heard it. Yeah. And so I'm trying now to get out of that habit. But yeah. So. Yeah. Well, maybe after listening to the album, people could tell me if I need new habits, but yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I can't wait. So like, um, yeah. Um, hopefully I'm thinking it's going to be out in about a year, year and a half. I've been, so just to give people an update, um, we finished the album. It's been mastered since around February, but I'm working on a film that goes with it. So basically it's going to be as long as the, the, the album plus a few, few commercials works music videos for the whole album. Basically it's coming along, but, um, you know, it's, it's a one man operation. So, but, um, I'm making a lot of progress. Hopefully I have something to show in the next couple of months, but you know oh, yeah yeah i'm super happy with it so i can't wait for people to hear it and you know fortunately no one's knocking down my doors to hear it so there's not like there's a lot of pressure to finish it but i want to get it done in the next like year or so so oh yeah cool man so anything else you want to talk about today or any anything else you want to bring up any ins inspirational stories or uh no um i uh i just appreciate you having me on to talk about this it was really cool again you know when you mentioned this before and we started talking about some of the um some of the the, the ideas it really got me thinking about it and and looking more into um you know some of the techniques we were talking about so uh so that was super cool i think that was good inspiration for me to to keep doing more of that stuff and um you know when i hear something interesting to me you know chase it down, learn more about it. You know, I find that more, more often than not, if it's a popular song, you know, whoever produced it, you can find out, maybe you can yeah. learn from them what their process is like. So that was kind of a, kind of a cool idea. Artists are amazingly accessible now. I mean, I've had, you know, albeit sometimes brief interactions with people that I never would have dreamed of years ago, you know, just in passing online or stuff like that. And you're like, wow, this is pretty wild. Like it's um, the information is out there. It's, you know, so 
we were brought up in the Dewey Decimal System. Can you imagine if we just still use that now every time we had to learn something? Holy shit. So, all right, man, um, I'm going to sign off here one sec. It's been, I really appreciate you having on, having you on here. Um, Ryan Randall goes by Upgrade. Be hearing more of him and be shouting his name out a lot when the album gets closer to being come out. Maybe we'll have you on again then to talk a little more about something else then. So thank you very much, man. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Tim. Yahari Makotoka. Man size hit you took, dog. When's the last time you smoked weed? <laughs> yeah, I know you got secrets. Everybody got secrets. You know you like to get wet, though.